0: Then Jesus began to say to all in the synagogue in Nazareth, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things we have heard you did in Capernaum. And he said, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel at the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, that that they might hurl him off the cliff. But Jesus passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The Gospel of the Lord. You You may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Creator, Jesus our Savior, and the Holy Spirit who inspires us all. Amen. When you were in grade school, you may have learned this little ditty to help you with spelling I before E, except. I before E, except after C, helped us to spell words with IE in them, like friend and thief and yield. It also helped us with the exceptions, with words that had EI in them, like sealing and receive and receipt. I before E, except after C, works great, right? Except when it doesn't. There are lots of times when the rule isn't helpful, like when spelling the words weird, or neighbor, or weird neighbor, or way, or sees. When I was in high school, I made up my own little exception to that spelling rule. Mine was I before E except in Heidi. (laughs) My English teacher, Mrs. Graves, was not amused. Well, I read that I before E except after C first appeared in a little book on spelling in 1866. But in recent decades, it has fallen out of favor in some, maybe all, teaching circles, mostly because there are just too darn many exceptions to the rule. Well, I'm not a great speller, and so I sometimes still find myself repeating I before E except after C, Honestly, with spelling, I'll take all the help I can get. And so I am grateful that in our reading today from 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul gives us a little rule on spelling. I don't know if you caught this. His rule has to do with spelling the word love. And if we follow Paul's rule for spelling the word love, we will rarely get it wrong. Paul says, put you before I if love's gonna thrive, put you before I, if love's gonna thrive. Okay, Paul didn't say exactly that, but it was his sentiment, I think. And Paul didn't really give us a rule for spelling love, he gave us directions for living love. Put you before I, if love's gonna thrive. And then Paul spells out What will help love thrive? He has seven times when the rule applies. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Paul also lists the exceptions to the rule. Those things that keep love from thriving. Love does not envy or boast. Love is not arrogant or rude. Love does not seek its own way. It is not irritable, not resentful, and does not rejoice in wrongdoing. It's a lot. Paul has given us a lot to consider when it comes to love, and so maybe that little spelling ditty will come in handy to keep it all straight. Put you before I if love's going to thrive. If we want love to thrive, a good first step is to put the needs of others ahead of our own. Now, if these words from 1 Corinthians 13 sound familiar to you, it's probably because you've attended more than a few weddings over the years, because this is a very common passage to be read at weddings, which is appropriate because these are great words for any couple to hear, As they begin their life in the covenant of marriage. Adhering to put you before I will certainly help love to thrive in a marriage. But Paul wasn't writing these words to be recited at weddings. He was actually writing to the Christian congregation in Corinth which is in Greece. The community in Corinth was not doing very well at all in remembering to put you before I. Their love was not thriving. Instead, they were in conflict and division about many things. They argued about which of them had the superior spiritual gifts, and of course they all thought they did. They were divided over which leaders were the best ones to follow. They were taking each other to court rather than settling disputes within the community. They were in conflict over which foods were okay to eat. Was it okay to eat food that had been sacrificed to idols? People with resources didn't care what happened to people without resources. Even when it came to how they were celebrating the Lord's Supper. I mean, all those exceptions that Paul lists about when love doesn't thrive, about envy and boasting and arrogance and rudeness and insisting on its own way. Well, he was pretty much describing the church community in Corinth and how they were living. So Paul wrote these words about love to help them rise above these petty disagreements. Paul wanted them to experience this love that was the most important thing, the most excellent way. Love was the only thing that Paul wanted them to see that would make all of their gifts and resources and blessings, of which they had many, have any meaning at all. All other things would cease, Paul says, but love would never end. Paul's beautiful words in chapter 13 were an invitation. An invitation for that church in Corinth to see the higher calling that God had for them. It offered a vision, God's vision, God's hope for how they would live as a Christian community together. It gave them a new blueprint for how to be a church family where they would put you before I when spelling love. Now, could it be that Paul's words are also an invitation for us? How are you doing? How are we doing at putting you before I? In the end, Paul's words are not a command. They're not even a rule. They are an invitation. An invitation to create a community here, to create relationships that reflect God's hope for us to have love as our most excellent way. Love is not a to-do list, Paul wants us to know, but an invitation to transformation. You see, putting you before I isn't just for the sake of you, it's also for the sake of I, because it gives us an opportunity to be changed. Jan Richardson is a modern-day, contemporary, modern uh, poet, artist, and theologian. This is what she says about Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 13. Loving is always risky because we cannot enter into it without being changed, altered, and transformed. Loving is never just about opening our heart, it is about being willing to have our heart become larger. As we make room for people and stories and experiences, we never imagined holding in our hearts. Love is about being willing to have our heart become deeper as we move beyond the surface layers of our assumptions and our prejudices and our habits in order to truly see and receive and serve who or what is before us. You see, putting you before I doesn't make our love gush with warm, fuzzy emotions, the way the culture tells us it should. It makes our heart bigger and deeper, which is really hard. Sometimes love is really hard. Putting you before I is what helps us mature, put an end to childish ways, as Paul says, and to grow toward the fullness of Christ living in us. Jesus is here, guiding us in this way of love. Put you before I if love's gonna thrive. I mean, this was God's idea from the beginning. Because God always puts you first. God always puts you first. This is the type of love God had for you before you were born. This was the love that poured from God's heart when Jesus took on flesh and moved into our neighborhood. This is the love that held Jesus to the cross. This is the love that placed him in the tomb, you before I. This is the love that caused the mighty power of the resurrection to conquer sin and death forever. This is the love that knits us, knits you to God and knits us to each other, making us the body of Christ. We can put you before I when spelling love because that is the way that God has spelled it all along. So here's my challenge for you. This week, look for ways that God is inviting you to mature in love, to have your heart grow bigger and deeper as you make room for others. Others that maybe you've never thought about, how could I love them? What would that look like? This week, look for ways to follow Paul's beautiful words on how to put love into action, to make love a verb in your life. Take your bulletin home and read that chapter over and over again this week. This week, look for opportunities God is opening up for you to put you before I, so that God's love can thrive. Amen.